Welcome to Stumbling Through Work, where educators figure shit out. I'm your host, Jared Huff, and I'm here to explore and share the complexities of our work and to let you know you are not alone. Before we start, though, please follow this podcast and share episodes with others. You can find me on my website, www.jaredhuff.com, where you can find links to my social media and where I share information and tips for educators. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey team, I'm going to start off with don't recommend people you know. That's how I'm going to start this episode. Don't recommend people that you know. Because in my opinion, it rarely works out. Now, sometimes there is a chance that it does. I'm not a Debbie Downer. Sometimes it does. And that person can be successful, they can grow, develop, and become one of the best people that you've ever ever met and worked with. I will say I was a recommendee, right? Um, Part of my journey was that before I was in early childhood education, I actually was still in the field of education, but I stopped teaching for a little bit. And somebody recommended me to... Uh, apply for this director position and I was just like "Mm, no I'm not going to do that I don't do little children not happening for me and they were like come on and you should do it and I'm going to set up an interview with this regional manager for you I'm not going to do that Uh, okay I guess I'll do it went to the interview and was a great interview actually was one of my best interviews I've had in my life it was like a two Two and a half hour long interview. It was really awesome. We really just talked. Um, me and her just bonded. And obviously I got the job. And I'm here talking to you all today. So sometimes recommendations do work. But a lot of the time they quite don't. I mean to me the reason why when it doesn't work out is because you have a lot that you can lose. For one, that person that you recommended is a reflection of you. They have your stamp of approval and you are basically co-signing them. You are saying they are great and they are everything that's according to not just my standards, but your standards. And then also it's your reputation that's at stake too. Your reputation is all that you have at the end of the day. Reputation is important to me. I don't care what you say about me. What I'm known for is quality programs, is being direct, never rude. But I am direct because I always want to make sure that we're clear. That you don't have to, you know, guess what I'm saying. And we did have an episode about the difference between being direct and rude. So go back and check that one out. But my reputation is Jarek knows his shit and he ain't about to play with you all. This is what it is. I mean what I say and I say what I mean. When you recommend someone and it doesn't work out, this actually makes me side eye you. And honestly, I question your judgment. Because if they were horrible, meaning they never came to work, they were terrible at the job, they always had excuses, they never got anything done, whatever it may be. If they were so horrible and you recommended them, then are they in turn a reflection of a side of you? 
Now I'm really side-eyeing you. What is it about them that meshed so well with you? And whatever that is, is that something that I want in my professional life? And the reason why I bring this up is because I've watched people recommend someone who embarrassed the shit out of them. And then they're left looking cheap and shamed. I say don't do it. Because I don't. People are complex. People are... People have different sides of them that you've never seen. And for me, I wouldn't recommend... I would not put myself in a situation where I can be looking cheap and shame. So that's just me. But it could work out. You could get the credit for finding a valuable team member that is a great person to be around all the time. I said that sarcastically, but actually I've been in a situation too where that worked out where I used to have an assistant director years ago and um, I hired her. Then she recommended another assistant director because I needed to open another position. And I said, okay. And she's like, somebody I used to work, I work, you know, worked with before. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but okay, I'll do it. So I interviewed her and I actually liked her. I said, okay, I'll give her a, I'll give her a chance, see how it works out. And they both worked together. They worked well for a while. And then the second one that I hired actually ended up promoting to a director. And the other one actually ended up leaving. And that director is still with me years later. And I love her to death. She is an amazing person to work with. So there are times when it does work out. But at the end of the day, you're going to do what you want to do. You're going to make the best decisions that you can at the time. And if it works out, great. And if it doesn't work out, hopefully it's a lesson learned. But do what you have to do. And on that note, we'll be right back. We all want our schools or programs to be the best. And although every school is different, all successful programs have the same fundamentals. Best Practices for High Quality Preschool, After School, and Enrichment Programs by Jarek Huff share standards to foster a high quality program. These tips will help you put your best service forward, focusing on your children, families, and communities. Best Practices for High Quality Preschool, After School, and Enrichment Programs by Jarek Huff is available on Amazon and Amazon Kindle. Welcome back. So, as you guys just heard, I finished my book. Yay! I'm super excited. Actually, on the last episode, when I did talk about it, I actually was already done. I was just in the editing and proofing and all that fun phase, just kind of trying to get it all put together cohesively. But it is done. It is available. So, please read it, share it with other directors, other management, program coordinators, all of those people that you may know. And give me some feedback on it. Let me know how you feel about it. But moving on, I'm actually going to be doing a two-part series about how to have conversation and coaching moments with your staff. I've realized a lot of people do not like having these conversations because they don't know how to. And sometimes they can become uncomfortable. So I figured, you know what? Hopefully I can pass on some knowledge to help people out with these conversations. And the first thing you want to think about is when you're preparing for the conversation is 
One of the first things you want to think about the conversation. One of the first things you want to think about is how do I prepare for the conversation? And of course, that's going to begin with the intended outcome. What do you want to achieve? Why are you even having this conversation or this coaching moment? What needs to be addressed? And there are six ways, according to me, that you would have this conversation. One could be you're trying to have an agreement, meaning what do you want to accomplish? Why? What is it that you're trying to get this person to see, get, do, understand? What do you want them to do? Then there's understanding. And that means someone knowing your expectations. I want you to understand this. I want you to get it. I want you. I want it to grow in your mind and, and foster. That is what I want. A cooperation or collaboration moment, meaning do we need to work together? How do we work together? Or how do you and somebody else work together to, to get something completed? Goals. Where are you going? Where are we going? What is the final step in this process that we're trying to get to? Then there's a progress. How do you get to the goal? What are the steps that are needed? Do we need to add in extra steps? Do we need to subtract steps to get to that goal? And then there's just an update. Kind of just a temperature check conversation. We need to see where we're at currently and then are we on the right path? Do we need to adjust? That's kind of the point of an update conversation. That is how you're going to start with first. Like I said, the intended outcome. What do you want to achieve for that conversation? Then you need to think about responding versus reacting. And there is a difference. When you react to something, it almost changes based off of the stimuli or what the conversation is. And that's how you get sidetracked and pulled into 17 different conversations. I know sometimes we can talk to a teacher or someone else and they can come with one concern and then they have another concern, then another concern, then another concern, and there's another concern, then there's another. And then it just goes down this rabbit hole. You are responding based off of that stimuli. But if you're staying focused, you won't have that issue. So you don't need to be worried about reacting. You need to be focused on responding. And responding is, you know, answering a question or request, working within a way that fosters a positive outcome. Meaning you have to be aware, first off, of what's going on. And actually, you have to be aware of the way that you react. But then you have to decide on a course of action to have a positive outcome. Focus on your awareness. How are you present in that conversation? What is your body language? Is your body language saying, eh, I got shit to do. I'm about to go to lunch. Or is your body language saying, you know, I really am giving you my undivided attention. And then what is the body language of others? That's just as important. You know, one on one of the episodes, I was talking about how I enjoy my judge shows and one thing that I love about Judge Judy is she does not like someone to have their arms folded. Um, she feels that it is aggressive and it makes you not open to the conversation. And I agree. I have said to people, please unfold your arms when you're talking. And they've kind of just let whatever they had go and it made them more open to whatever the conversation was. 
But then also look at your active listening. Are you actually listening? I think I talked about this in another episode as well about how to actually active listen and listening to what's being said and not hearing what's being said to you and focusing on your response. That is something that pisses me off with people. Actually listen to what is being said. I'm going to stop right here and I'll continue rest of it next week because this is just about being aware of the conversation. This isn't even about having the conversation. It's your mental state before you go in because if you're not prepared to go in, I have seen many conversations go left quickly. The intention was good. You've seen a problem. I need to address it. But if you don't know or how, if you don't know or don't know how to have a conversation, I've seen them go left fast. I mean, people arguing, people throwing things, knocking things over. I've seen some crazy shit before. And I was like, wow, did that just happen? And sometimes I have to play referee. I'm like, whoa, hold on, hold on. That's not what's said. Chill out. I have seen some stuff happen because, you know, when emotions are high, logic is low. Um, You have to be prepared for those conversations. I love sharing information with educators and program administrators. I have had so many successes, but also so many failures in my education tenure. I want leaders to know what not to do, but better than that, what to do. So, I decided to write a helpful guide, Best Practices for Center, Program, and Activity Directors. It's short and to the point. It's a compass to guide education leaders. These best practices will give you a foundation to lead your school, program, or organization. You can find best practices for center, program, and activity directors by Jared Cuff on Amazon or Amazon Kindle. I actually wrote a blog about creating trust with families. And to me, there are four easy ways of doing that. One is just informing families of the child's activities throughout the day. It just lets me know that you paid attention to my child, and that makes me feel good, and I can somewhat kind of trust you. Notifying families when the child is ill or injured, that one goes a super long way, because you're letting me know that my child's health and safety is just as important to you as it is to me. Having special events at the school, making sure that your families actually know, you make me feel like you want me to be there. You don't make me feel ostracized or marginalized, so thank you for inviting me to this event. And then whenever, you have, whenever you're having concerns about the child, making sure that the family knows that there are some developmental or behavior or hurdles that you're trying to go through. That says to me, you're not just complaining about my child. You're letting me know what's happening and you're letting me know what the plan is going forward. And I'm not in the dark so that I'm not ambushed later on in life, like when I get to kindergarten and nobody tells me. I actually used to work with this guy and his daughter was at another school. And his daughter was rough at times. Like she was the sweetest thing, but... She was she was rough some at some moments like she would throw stuff and no one like he never knew that him or his wife never knew that any of this was happening. And so when he le- so when he um 
he decided to bring his daughter to the school that we were at. And like the day one, he was like, I've never seen her do that. Like old girl was throwing chairs. Let me tell you, she was tearing it up from the rooter to the tutor. And he was completely unaware that this was happening. I mean, she was tossing chairs. She was punching kids. Like she was wild in day one. And so he went back to the school and they were like, oh yeah, she does this all the time. We just let her have her corner and throw stuff. <laughs> Wait, what? And I remember how pissed he was because he felt bombarded like with all of these new things about his child that he had no idea that she didn't do at home. And I felt bad for him because it was just like, wow, you had no idea any of this was coming, was going on and no one told you. And I know he lost a lot of trust and respect for them. So those type of things are really, really important. But if you want to actually read the entire blog post, you can visit my website, www.jerichuff.com and read it in its entirety. Throughout the week, I want you to really think about who you are recommending for a job. Just make sure if you do decide to do it, it's someone that's not going to embarrass you and leave you cheap and shame. And also think about how to have and prepare for tough conversations that you may have to have. Think about those two things throughout the week. And other than that, I'll see you next week. That's it for today. If you like this episode, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating, review, and subscribe to the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website, which is in the show notes, to contact me. And I hope you have a great rest of your week and speak to you all soon.